Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Going on Steelers Nation Radio. It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. And uh coming to the end of another week here as we enter the month of May. Plenty to get to. A little more draft conversation on the show today. We'll look around the AFC North a little bit as well, too, and see what some of the Steelers' foes with some of the Steelers' rivals, what they came away with in the draft, and, and some thoughts about uh, where they're standing here currently as rookie minicamp and OTAs and everything are on the horizon in the month of May. Arthur Motes, how we doing, cousin? Man, I'm feeling amazing. Life is great. And, you know, in uh, response to what you were talking about, in terms of looking around the league to see what some of our AFC foes have gotten, they've gotten nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Zero zilch nada. They suck. In fact, they all got worse this past week. Okay. <laughs> How about that? Tell them I said. It. How about huh. that? Huh. Absolutely. Yeah. We will talk about those foes from the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Uh, different draft stories for a lot of those teams. Um, Cleveland, particularly, they're still paying the uh the ransom off for Deshaun Watson, so they don't have a ton of draft capital. We'll get into uh, some of the things that those teams did here in just a little bit. But Mozi, we start with our own house, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, we spent Tuesday's show kind of breaking down the draft class, the selections from the, from the Steelers. Um, those aren't the only guys that they're bringing in here. Rookie minicamp getting getting going. We all know how that works. Um, you invite uh, a lot of different types of rookies and players that you've drafted, that are undrafted, that have maybe been poking around for a little bit in some different leagues and things like that. Uh, rookie minicamp is how they found one Devlin Duck Hodges. This is a hey, shout out to Duck, man. He came and won us multiple games, if you remember that. And it all started for him at rookie minicamp. Yeah. From there, he was invited to training camp. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, the rest was history. And one or two injuries end up happening. And yeah. he's able to, to find himself in a position to, again, go I out mean, there and I win mean, some you, games. You bring up Duck. I mean, it's another guy that is a friend of the show. Former West Virginia Mountain. Ah, Terrence Carvin. came in. Yes. Um, take it a step further. More so, not even just an un, undrafted free agent signing, but he was actually a rookie minicamp tryout invitee. We were seeing some of those guys from the XFL getting some invitations to Pittsburgh. Terrence Garvin was one of those guys. Yes. We saw him go out here and have a, what, five, six-year career mm-hmm. and have a lot of success. So that was another example as well. It's a great point by you. I mean, the the, the league is literally littered with those guys oh, who, yeah. you know, who who just needed an opportunity and rookie minicamp was that opportunity. Just let me get the foot in the door. That's it. That's if I it. get my foot in the door, I'll handle the rest. And you've said it before. Uh, one of the, the things that Mike Tomlin likes to repeat is, you know, we don't care how you got here. Yeah. Just it matters what you do when you show up. No question, man. Um, listen. The first round draft picks, the the highly drafted guys, their leash is always going to be a little bit longer and things like that. And, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. I mean, they they bring a certain level of athleticism, a certain level of uh, reassurance and pedigree. Yeah. yeah, and that's why the premium for those players is what it is. It's no different than when we talk about um, in free agency, right? A guy that might get forty million dollars a year versus a guy that gets five million dollars a year. 
we're not saying that the guy that gets five isn't capable of doing what the guy that gets 40 gets, but we just know the guy with 40, the probability of him doing it sure. and repeating it and consistently, you know, being dependable to give you those type of uh, returns on your investment, we know it's a lot higher. So that's why you pay the higher price on it. Whereas the less price, we know it's a little bit more of an outlier for those guys to be able to accomplish that. And the same goes with the draft. So, I mean, it's nothing, you know, that's a negative to these guys. It's just the reality of the scenario yep. for whatever reason it may be. And that's that's well said from a guy who's been inside those uh, those walls and seen all those situations play out. So we discussed, like I said, on Tuesday, um, the, the, the young men who were fortunate enough to have their name called by the Steelers from the podium. But Motsi, the UDFAs are always a big uh, part of this process as well, too. You know, uh, you start to get to that seventh round and teams are on the phone with players saying, oh, hey, absolutely. you don't get drafted here. Come to Pittsburgh. We'll give you more money. We'll yeah. give you a little more opportunity. Hey, come here to Los Angeles. We, uh, we're really thin at your position. You're going to have a great opportunity here to make the team and, and, and get a real chance. So 10, correct, Arthur Motes, yeah. is the number of, uh, of UDFAs mm -hmm. that you're allowed to bring in, undrafted free agents. I keep saying that term. I should, I should lay out what it means because well, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of the show, the you, duality of the you gotta show. you got to paint a picture, right, Arthur Motes? Some people are going to understand it as UDFAs. I'm sure a guy like CR, he gets that. He gets it. But then I'm sure we got some, you know, people that maybe not. You know, as diehard, they to, might not to, listen to logistics in our 24 7 or something like that. Undrafted yeah. free agent signings. Undrafted free agent signings. And we had talked a lot about, we'll start at the top of the list here, I guess, with the prom kings, right? Mm -hmm. um, we had talked about David the Perales. We <laughs> said the prom king, right? That's what we were talking about, right? We start with defense. You had to be a friend of defense, right? Uh, like uh, nose tackles, yeah, defensive yeah, tackles, rushers, like you know, give me some three technique guys. Uh, so we were talking about the prom kings, man. Who are we talking about then? Who not talking about them? Who are we talking about? No, we're gonna talk about the quarterback. Oh, okay, okay. So the servants, I got you. All right, <laughs> these, you know. The, the game manager, uh, the, guys. the guys who come in and say, oh, there's, you know, yeah, yeah. would you like some, some tea? Yeah, yeah. It's been a real uh, devalued position, the quarterback, it, it, it over really the last is, couple man. decades. I mean, guys. you know, they come a dime a dozen nowadays, man. <laughs> we discussed a lot about potentially, listen, uh, the Steelers, they're going to have to add another arm at some point. Yeah. We know Kenny and, and Mitch are both under contract, but after that, mm -hmm. some uncertainty and you, you need camp arms. And Seven doing podcast right it's now. Seven so, doing so podcast right now. I think he's that. out of the fray. Yeah. Um, we had talked about some of our guys that we thought, hey, if the Steelers are going to draft someone in the seventh round. Although, to be fair, Omar Khan said the whole time we're not drafting a quarterback, yeah. and he wasn't lying. Yeah. He was truthful. Now, they did sign one as a UDFA. We'll get to that in just well, a second. Because but... he knew the quarterback to draft wasn't going to be available, and he wasn't. He ultimately went to the Rams. That's right, Mr. Uh, I almost said Matthew Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> this is replacement. What, what you doing, little, little, little Stetson? What you doing over there? Stetson warming up Bennett, my arm. You know? The other Georgia quarterback. Just warming up my arm. <laughs> <laughs> to take your job take and make you. your mom my biggest fan. Take what? Wait a minute. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And make your mom my biggest fan. Shout out to Cam Newton. And make that was e epic make commercial. everybody forget you ever played in Carolina. That was an, that was an epic, epic that's commercial. A, that's a great drop by you there. If only Sam Darnold could have lived up to it. It would have made it full circle. Baby. It would have been fantastic. Man, man. Um, so Stetson Bennett, one of the guys that Arthur Motes had discussed, he ends up going in the fourth round to the Rams. Yeah, oh. to to join Matthew Stafford and his his Georgia brethren out there. Um, Tyson Bajet, my my late in the draft crush, he, he, he ended up going undrafted. Uh, but the Steelers did end up with a quarterback, Tanner Morgan, out of Minnesota. Arthur Motes uh, seems like he's going to be at least 
the first one to get an opportunity at that third quarterback role. They could always certainly and probably will bring in somebody else. You want four for training camp. Who knows if Mason Rudolph is still in this equation, depending on what his market is. We can talk about all those things, you know, when they uh, yeah, when they end up playing out. Some of these XFL quarterbacks get picked up. Ben DiNucci. Correct. Went to yeah, the, uh, your JMU brethren as well, too. Former Pitt football alum as well. Yep. That's yeah. Right. Um, but I think about some of those guys, some of the USFL guys that are mm-hmm. currently going. So mm-hmm. there's still going to be potential for other guys right. to join the fray. Right. You might see someone like A.J. McCarron come back into yeah. the fold. Not necessarily for the Steelers, right, but right. just but in, yeah, in general. He performed really well yeah. also in that league, yeah. very similar to Ben DiNucci. And that's the one thing when you're talking about the depth of the quarterback position, a lot of those guys don't have a ton of game experience at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. You come into this league and you're the backup. And if you're always the backup, when do you ever get a chance to actually show game rep, show improvement? That was one of the knocks when we taught Landry Jones. It was hard for him to develop because you're not getting in-game reps. Correct. It's tough. And when you get thrown out there, it's deer in headlights, so to speak. But you watch how AJ McCarron and Ben DiNucci uh, specifically have performed in the XFL under realistic game mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. It makes them a little bit more appeasing than per se, you know, one of these journeyman vet backup quarterbacks who haven't Completely really seen agree. the field in two, three years. So, I mean, there is going to be some legitimacy and we're already seeing that happen. But, you know, just to reiterate the fact here in Pittsburgh, that, that could also be in play because like I said, Tanner is a, a good player. I mean, I just want to throw this out there. Any player that is signed to the NFL is a good player. Undrafted free agent, seventh round draft pick, first rounder. It does not matter. If they are one of the chosen few to be able to sign an NFL contract, they are good players. Good player. I just want to always say that because I feel like that kind of gets uh, misconstrued at times or overlooked. It's like, oh, because the guy's undrafted free agent, he sucks. And it's like, no, you cut on Tanner's tape. Tanner can sling it. Mm-hmm. Tanner can make the deep ball. Tanner throws the vertical ball really well. Tanner has a strong arm. Tanner has good touch on the back shoulder. Tanner reads defense as well in terms of middle field open, middle field close, um, different coverage, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you see some of the, the issue is the consistency when you're talking about going to the NFL level because it's not about can you make these throws at the collegiate level when you have a lot of separation, which is always the case or a lot of times the case with these guys. It's when these guys are contested, can you make that throw consistently? Sure. Because he made the because he made the open throws and made enough of the contested throws, that's why he gets that he gets the opportunity to come here. But now he's gonna get challenged to see can he deliver those type of throws on a consistent basis where the competition is ratcheted up, where your reads have to be faster, where the coverages are gonna be a lot more complex than what you see at the collegiate level. Just based on the simple fact of NFL defenders are able to process and hold more information right. and ascertain it and, you know, implement it. Whereas college kids, they don't have that time. They're not developed enough to that stage just yet across the board. Maybe one or two guys, but not everybody out there. Right. Because you got school, you got the different ages, mm-hmm. different levels of, you know, talent. And, you know, some guys are more league ready than others. Yes. But, some are more dedicated yeah, than others. Some are more dedicated. But when you get to the NFL level, it's a profession. So, we do this around the clock. So we're just able to be a lot more in tune to those things. And that's why the scoring is a lot less in mm-hmm. terms of the NFL level when you look at the Cosmo, when you're getting 50s, 60s, and 70s at times. So all that being said, man, Tanner Morgan, I, I do feel excited about him, though. He's got a crazy body of work. He, he does, man. He um, does. One that you'll appreciate this. 
Listen, our, our listeners, they know I do this well. I do the self-deprecation thing well, all right? Mm-hmm. Included in his body of work was a, uh, a <laughs> let's just call it a landslide bowl victory against WVU a couple, ah, a couple years ago. We when, don't say. When Minnesota took us out to the woodshed and uh, and beat us up for four quarters. I thought with, y'all like it like that. No, we do not. Y'all I mean, made, they made it look like y'all like it. Do not. They, they <laughs> certainly did. They certainly did. Yeah, I thought they were um, helping y'all out. He, he's one of those uh, five-year, fifth-year COVID guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so his numbers are pretty impressive. I mean, threw for nine, basically 9,500 yeah. yards, 9,500 right? yards Insane. in college, which is crazy. Uh, 65 touchdown passes over the five years. Really had a monster 2019. Uh, where he threw for over three uh, three thousand yards, threw for thirty touchdowns. That was the best season of his career, his sophomore year. Then got hurt his junior year and ended up having the, the again the two more years, his senior year, and then uh, and then the the COVID senior year, if you will, as kind of people have come to call it. But I'm with you. Like he's got a body of work. He played in the Big Ten, uh, you know, one of the the power conferences in college football against great competition week in and week out. Um, I think he was well coached by a guy like PJ Fleck. I yeah. think one of the more underrated coaches in college hey, football. What they say, just keep rolling, right? Just keep Road rolling. Road. That's Road. 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 Ski you ma, right? Road, man. Um, and the big thing too is if I'm a, if I'm a UDFA quarterback. I'm I'm happy to land in Pittsburgh because yeah. the Steelers are one of a couple teams in the league that keep three quarterbacks on the roster. This is accurate. Not everybody does that. This is very accurate. Some just keep two. So if I'm Tanner Morgan, I'm looking at it right now and I'm saying, yeah, Kenny Pickett is the guy. Yeah. And even behind him, Mitch Trubisky is the guy behind him. Yeah. But I'm in a good spot here because all I have to do potentially is beat out one more person yeah. and I'm going to be on an NFL roster this year. And in a weird way. Yes, our quarterback position is settled, but it doesn't feel like just yet. It's in, like it's just a. a I'm trying to even think how to put it. Like it's a foregone conclusion. Like it's just set in stone. Like when seven was here, we knew right. it was. It's, right. Man, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> and it's not you know a slight towards Kenny, but just in the sense of he's still in the early developmental he's stage. A, he's, he's a still, sophomore, right? He's yeah. still proving it. He's still growing in and trying to show who he is as a player. So I just think even in that uh, regard for Tanner, he has to feel some type of confidence, some type of reassurance that, man, even down the line, there is at least a potential that, you know, I could come out of this thing and see the field, whether it be because of injury or just, you know, Kenny not developing the way that we think he can. It's just a different stage in his career versus if it was, a proven Mitch Chabisky who had already started six seasons here and has already led us to the postseason and things along that nature. Like you a Charlie Batch oh, type right. Mitch Trubisky. You yeah. didn't feel like there was any chance of moving up past him. Mm-hmm. But for Tanner, he's like, man, we seen they switched both of these dudes last year. Mm-hmm. So Who's to say maybe they don't trade Mitch or something like that happens? He's only got one more year left on his deal. Yeah, absolutely. So I think across the board for Tanner, man, this is just a great situation and organizational stability. 100%. You brought up we keep three quarterbacks. I love the fact that we keep the same GMs, head coaches, owners. We keep it in the family. We mm-hmm. keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. We know what we like here. We know what the message is here. It never gets convoluted. It never gets misconstrued in-house because we build from within. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beautiful things about this organization. And that's why a lot of players have a lot of success here because it is very comforting and it is very secure and it's a place where you can grow. They're going to challenge you now. Heck yeah. You know, we're not saying this is going to be easy, but it comes from a positive state. You don't ever have to worry about the intentions being off. 
Sure. And I think that, that makes matters. sense. Yeah, I think that matters a lot, though. That makes a lot of sense. That's well said. I like that. Um, so Tanner Morgan is is the quarterback, and um, he's obviously, I think, the one of the, the UDFAs that we were keeping an eye on. I think everyone was thinking after there was no quarterback selected in the draft, as Omar Khan told us was going to be the case. He didn't lie. I mean, he didn't make us read the tea leaves. It was right there. Um, Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota, big body of work, and uh, an opportunity for him really to uh, to latch on if he can take advantage of that couple of these other names here uh, that we'll discuss uh, for a few minutes before we wrap up this first segment. Uh, a guy who could become a cult hero in Pittsburgh. Uh, Monte Potibom, <laughs> I believe is how his last name. Mozi, if this guy played football 20 years ago. Oh, he's a legend. He would have been drafted. He would be a legend. He, he would have been probably like a third or fourth round draft Easily. pick as well, too. Easily. Um, he is a punishing fullback out of Iowa. Uh, you watch his tape. It's impressive. Um, and he's more, I should say, than just, you know, your kind of stereotypical bruiser fullback. Like he's certainly got some athleticism to him. Um, Monte, the mullet is his nickname. If you need more of an image of the fullback and the, and the guy that he is. And, and it is a true mullet. Mozi, they have not seen it is, it is it's, definitely a mullet. It's a, it's an uphill battle, you know, for those type of, to, to, yeah. to, you know, to make a roster playing that type of position in the NFL nowadays, but there's exceptions to that. There's the Kyle Juice checks out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's the guys that can do it. So he'll certainly be a fun one to keep an eye on early and, and able to see the skill set that he has. Uh, and again, like I said, if he would have played 10, 15, 20 years ago, would be one of those cult hero, those Chris Fu Matamalafala kind of guys. Like I say, that one is again. Uh, Jordan Bird, wide receiver out of San Diego State. But hold on, man. Hold on. Can, can we? Can I just get back to the Oh, you want Monte? I you want to talk about Monte? Just for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Because fullbacks do matter. Oh, they certainly yeah. do. Fullbacks matter. Bring back the fullback. You know? Save the fullback. I mean, in all seriousness, though, man, when you watch him, I get why they brought him in. Um, Derek Watt was formerly here, and obviously we know that he's a free agent right now. Mm-hmm. But when you watch Monte, him as a blocker, you see some similarities in terms of their how they move around. You see similarities in terms of their blocking profile. They're not the Rosie Nicks type of blocker who's going to try to knock you out. They're more of the, I'm going to win with great technique and I'm going to position block you. And you see the success that Monty has with that, especially playing in the Big Ten where he did have to go up against some pretty physical guys, man. Some dogs. In terms of how they would utilize him um, in lead blocks, obviously when he would have to uh, peel back and – Block the backside DNs and stuff like that. He never shied away from contact, and that was the impressive part. But the other thing that I think that he's going to bring is special teams value. Um, Derek Watt, he wasn't just here to play fullback. Right. He was a special teams guy for us, a really productive special teamer in the league. That's, you know, more so how I knew of him before he was ever a fullback. Sure. And I just think that Monty is going to be able to bring some of that to the special teams element. You watch him run, he moves really well. You watch the uh, physicality he plays with. He has good size. And when you talk about big physical guys that can run on special teams, those are those are weapons. Absolutely. Rosie Nix was a weapon here. It was a pro bowler because mm-hmm. of that. Derek Watt. Like, Derek Watt. You know, and the Steelers value those guys. They, they absolutely they do. do. And when you think about some of the guys that have left our special teams unit, Benny Snell, Marcus Allen. Jameer Jones. Potentially the Derek you know, Watt. Yeah, Derek like, Watt. Like, you've lost some key special teams these contributors are, These here. are core four guys. That's a great when point. When you say core four, I'm talking kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. You have to replace those guys with adequate players. Otherwise, that will become a weakness. And we have taken advantage of teams that don't have adequate special teams. We beat the Cincinnati Bengals week one 
because of inadequate special teams. Missing extra points, missing field goals. Yeah, That is a very common way to get beat in the league if you are not detailing your work. <laughs> so for us to bring in a guy like Monty, I see it as, you know, just multifaceted productivity right there for us. That's absolutely correct. And like I said, he is he's not just some big laboring uh fullback in the in the stereotypical sense. He he's got the skill set. I think there are some Derek Watt vibes there. And you're right. If they can replace Derek Watt with this guy, you know, who's probably one fifth of the cost, um, hey, sorry, TJ. And yeah. I know we're losing we're losing a couple siblings, but that's why we brought in the Herbigs, right? To replace them. Um, Monte the Mullet will certainly be one to keep an eye on here as we go forward. To, and yeah, he's one of those guys too. If, if he ends up making the roster, he could become a fan favorite uh, pretty darn quickly. Jordan Bird, wide receiver out of San Diego State. And he's an interesting one, man. Um, I understand why they listed him as wide receiver because he's going to be a tra- uh, he's transitioning positions, but okay. You watch him. He's he played running back. Right. Like this dude was a nice running back too. He actually reminded me of a dude I played in college ball with, man. But um, you know, I get why they want to move him to the slot. His short area quickness, obviously his size is what, buck seventy, mm-hmm. like five, seven, five, six. I still, man, I hate myself for these feelings. Oh no. But I was like, man, why you gotta move in the wide receiver? I wanna see if that thing is shaking the backfield for a little bit. He scored 12 touchdowns as a running back in and, and he has good vision. I love his vision and his burst. He's just really, really small for the position. Mm. And I get it. That's why they want to transition him. But I don't know, man. I'm just one of those players that see like Deuce Vaughn small. <sighs> yes, but I think. He's like thinner, and that's also the problem. Like Deuce Vaughn has a little bit more like he's, a more like he's got some muscle ham- some muscle hamster vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Jordan, Jordan looks like a slot receiver in the backfield, but it gives what? me like five nine one seventy. But it's like elite vision and the burst, and it's just like man, one if, if you were two hundred pounds, they'd be calling you Bajon. Right, like right. You catch my drift. Mm-hmm. So, and also being that. I was a part of the Dree Archer experiment where we brought Dree in. Um, college tape looked very similar in terms of the burst, in terms of elusivity, mm-hmm. but once again, really, really thin. And he got beat up, you know? He started not wanting to take them hits because at this level, these guys are a lot bigger. So I do understand why they're making the move. Um, it'll be interesting, though. I want to see, uh, in terms of Jordan, how well he catches the football. Yeah. Um, when you're playing running back, yeah, you're going to catch the ball, but those routes are very different than playing slot receiver and how that ball is going to be coming out the close proximity the combat catches and the different defenders that you're going to be matched up against so that's what i want to see with him but i do like the pickup though i do as well too i think there's some potential there you say you know you mentioned it getting a guy running back trying to you know maybe the the diamond in the rough undrafted free agent thing they see him as a slot wide receiver it'll be fun to see how that one plays out uh david perales defensive end from fresno state uh mozi um, a, a kind of a, a, a him rush the pass. Feel yeah, it feels he, like you need you need you need options there in that regard. And it's just, I mean, this is uh, another along the lines of you know this off season. The Steelers have clearly identified a type in the trenches on both sides of the football, and they've I gone out. Sure, I thought we had no type. I ain't got no type. No, Andy hey. Whitehall has a type. Omar Khan has he a like, type. He like him thick. He like him thick, thick. thick with mm-hmm. two C's thick. Hey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Twenty three sack guy in college again. Tangible production there. Yeah. Uh, David Perales will be an interesting one. I don't care about his sack. You know why? Because he's going to be trying to get on with special teams. That's how he survives in this league, yeah, year one. True. 
We know. Um, I'm not the first person. I mean, that's that the case me. for most of these guys. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, and, and I'm, I'm except just, for Tanner Morgan, the right. quarterback. But right? specifically, specifically, when you're talking about the edge rusher, and here's why: um, Danny Smith is going to tell him the same thing. He's going to come in there and say, "You want to be the starting pass rusher? I get it, but you're not T.J. Watt. You're not Alex Highsmith. You're not playing over that." Period. You want to see the field? If you want to see the field, the only way you're <laughs> you going to better see do it, with me, partner, is playing special teams. <laughs> and Danny was going to say, I want to be the head coach. I want to be the boss here. That ain't happening. I'm the special teams coach. So, as you can see, like, this is where you're going to have to find a way to live in this league, man. And for uh, for David, I feel like he is capable. I like his size. I like his, athletic, uh, his athleticism. But special teams is a mentality, and it is its own position. So for him, he's going to have to hone in and make sure that he can do that really well because we've seen guys that could just get sacks in the preseason. We've seen him as our skipper. We've talked about him. We've talked about some of the other guys who've had success in the preseason, but it never never translates, translates. never manifests right. in the regular season. Yeah. And largely because they're never able to get the opportunity because they're not consistent enough on special teams to warrant a helmet every week, to make sure that they're the next man up every sure. week. Sure. That's part of why you do special teams to make sure you're the next man up. Because if something happens on the right. field, they need somebody. Right. They only got 46 guys out there. And he could be the better rusher because he can't play special teams. He ain't got no helmet. So I'm going to get a chance. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's that, a great, that's a great know, point by you as well, too. For a guy like David, that's one of the things that he's going to have to just be cognizant of and, 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 you know, make sure he's buttoned up on. But other than that, though, I do like what I see from him, though. I do think he has a really natural ability of rushing the pass and good hand usage. Here's what we'll do here. Just a couple more guys that, that we got to talk about, but I don't want to I don't want to rush these guys short. We'll do that when we return on the other side. We'll take a look around the AFC North as well, too. North, North. And uh give some thoughts on what those ratbirds, those brannies, and those bungles did last week uh with their draft capital. We'll take a look around the division, some of our foes and how they've been operating as well. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes, it's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. <laughs> 